Welcome to Diamond and Diamond Lawyers Podcast Real Estate Division. Today, I have two very special guests, Joseph B. from my very own Diamond and Diamond Lawyers Real Estate Division, and Lorraine Jordan, a very successful real estate agent. Today, we're going to be talking about the real estate market. We're going to be talking about Lorraine's journey, her books. We're going to be talking about foods and vacations and all cool things associated with it. With it. Uh, a little bit of personal, get funny. So I, I first want to start, I guess we should talk to the listeners and, and Lorraine, let us know, how did you even get into this field? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, actually, I got into real estate when I was 18. I oh, worked, so like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got it. Um, I worked in a small kind of mom and pop grocery store. I had a great time helping people. I know it sounds weird saying solving problems, but people would stop in all the time on the way home and say, oh, I don't know what to have for dinner. And I learned all the different departments because I love self-growth. And we do this thing where they, I was in the deli and meat department. And the guy would say, you know, of course, everybody wants chicken because we don't have any chicken breast today. You know, why don't they buy pork chops? So we started a bet as to who could sell more. That's hilarious. And <laughs> I would do up a menu and it would be um, so I would pick whatever he said, you know, we should sell. I'd go find some recipes. I barely cooked. I mean, I lived at home that, at the time. I'm, you know, 16 years old. And um, people would show up and they'd say, what's for dinner, Lorraine? And I'd say, well, tonight you're having beef stroganoff or whatever it was. <laughs> and I'd have like a, I don't know, hello fresh a long time ago. I think I missed that boat. No kidding. Um, okay. but yes, yeah, so I got into real estate from that. Cause everyone said, Oh, you're so good at sales. Interesting. So, yeah. and so before you did that, I just, and this was in Midland. Penetang. Oh, Penetang. Yeah. So even, even smaller than, uh, yeah. than, than Midland. Okay. Interesting. So then at one point, you know, how did, how did you get introduced to it? Did you know somebody in real estate? Did you say, this is what I want to do? Well, people started making suggestions, right? right? And somebody said, oh, you should sell cars and you should sell this. And someone said, you should get into real estate. And I went, hmm, real estate sounded kind of interesting. And so I took a co-op in high school. Interesting. And so after the co-op, I guess you go and you apply for a job, you end up at a, at a brokerage. Is that, yes. is that what happened? And yeah. the real estate market back then isn't what it was like for the past 15 years, right? It's very uh, different. <laughs> well, it's actually very similar to what it's like right now, oh, right now, because yes. it started <laughs> off, um, you know, it, it was a great beginning, but it didn't take long. Like it, it shifted that first year that I was in real estate. So I kind of got a good lesson in the school of hard knocks and watched a lot of in agents get out of the industry and struggle. And I just, did what I was supposed to do. And what do you think in the first couple of years did you um, learn or what did you kind of get in education wise? What did you learn the most that helped you kind of succeed in the future? Probably work ethic. Right. Um, I think a lot of people think real estate's this glorious job of designing homes and creating pretty flyers and looking at lovely homes and getting ideas. And I mean, it's all about um, talking to people, adding value, learning, um, creating new ways to to purchase finance. Um, and yeah, it, it's it was the work ethic part. For it's sure. A, it's interesting because, you know, me and Joe come from the legal side and, you know, we always we always talk about it, and Joe, maybe your perspective on this, too, is I look at a real estate agent. I'm like, you have the best job. We have the worst job. You know, we, <laughs> we have to deal with all the issues and all the closings. Um, Joe, what, what is your what is your kind of perspective in, you know, 
dealing from a you know you get to meet a lot of real estate agents and then and then those clients how do you how do you think the difference is you know as a lawyer versus a real estate agent i mean i think a good real estate agent makes all the difference um i i always get the agents involved whenever there's a sticky situation in particular um because lawyers always have to take positions in when when there's an issue and agents can actually you know talk about the issue and and resolve it um and and i think that that goes a very long way Sure. I think lawyers like to just say no many times. Well, you kind of have to, you have to, you have to, this is what the rule is in this situation. So that's my position. Right. And that doesn't really help uh, someone when they're debating, you know, what to do about the grass and and they're not going to have a resolution. Right. So Lorraine, just before we go back to to your background and just to to add on this point. So Joe now says, okay, lawyer is going to take a position, goes back, calls you and says, we got this issue. This is my position. Need you to go smooth it out. Um, there's, there's something, uh, wrong with the inspection. The carpets aren't, uh, aren't red <laughs> anymore. And your client is pissed because the carpets were supposed to be blue in the MLS. What is your strategy? What do you do? Uh, first of all, mostly we call often the lawyer because there's something going on. Um, I'm a really big fan of if there's a problem, we're all in this together. How can we find a solution? What's it going to cost to fix it? Because everyone's going, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. You know, we need this fix. But well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a thousand dollar fix or a hundred thousand dollar fix? Right. Let's let's get down to what's the solution? What's it going to cost? And then how can we make this a win? Like um, a furnace is a great example. You know, I've had people where the furnace breaks two days after they move in or two days before they move in. So who's liable for that? Technically, if it happens two days before, you know, they're talking about putting in a a brand new furnace and the buyers weren't getting a brand new furnace. You know, maybe they're going to put the cheapest furnace. They're going to put a used furnace in. I think that's just a conversation. I mean, every single situation is a conversation to find out how everybody can feel like they won in the situation and, you know, move things forward. And that might be a little different than lawyers, because like you said, you have to take a position. This is the rule. It broke before. You have to replace it. But how are you going to replace it? Right. Right. And that's, you know, it's funny as a litigator, I think my position is it's never my client's fault. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with that <laughs> to blame it on everyone else. Well, there's, there's also the strategy of it all. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, you could take the position that, that like, it's a, it's a, um, like if you're on the buyer side, you'd be like, well, no, I'm not going to fix it. Take it. And that's it. Sue me. You know, that, that may be the proper, uh, position for a lawyer to take that will defend his client's rights. Right. But that could, that could lead to a very, uh, unhappy, uh, closing. Right. So no, I agree. Listen, the truth <laughs> is I laugh about it being a litigator, but even as a litigator, we know that the best solution is one where, you know, everyone is kind of not happy and can live with it and move on. Um, I want to, I want to just touch back. Um, <clears throat> and we're talking about, you know, you joined your, your real estate brokerage at that point, were there a lot of females in your industry or in your office, even where you were that you could, you know, uh, look towards, uh, look to as mentors, or did you find it at that point? Was it still, uh, it was probably 80% men, 20% women. Right. And, and so did you, did you find that you had to kind of like, you know, fit in with that, the, the boys club or no, your, you were your, your mentors or the people that coached you were pretty good at, um, you know, I think the biggest thing was, um, because of the age, 
right? I was, I was a kid. I was right. 18 years old, right? Um, so a lot of the the other agents or uh, male agents in the office were like, I call them like my Uncle Bernie. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like, hey, Uncle Bernie, how's it going? And how can I help you? And I mean, I always came from that. I want to learn from you. But, you know, it's not just questions. It was how can I help you? Like, OK, it's six o'clock at night. You're in the office doing an offer. The secretary who normally types up the offer is not here. Can I type it up for you? Can right. I help you? And while I'm helping you, you're going, you're, you're sharing information with me because it's, again, it's a win-win. That's interesting because, right? I, I, you know, not a lot of people would do that this day and age. I think, you know, you know, just lending a hand, thinking, you know, selfishly, I'm unselfishly, self selfishly helping you, right? Like on one hand, you're actually doing good and altruistic behavior by helping them. But at the other hand, like you said, you're getting information back. So it's, it's a, it's a two way street, right? At yeah. that point. It's, it's adding value. I think that's honestly, I would say if I look back on my entire career, adding value is something like it's one of my you, standards. You get what you put in. Yeah. Right. If you're, you're making people's lives better or you're helping someone, I mean, it just, it comes back. Right. Um, a now mature Lorraine has an opportunity to go back and talk to 18 year old Lorraine and give her two pieces of, you know, advice. Um, buy more real estate, <laughs> even though it seems expensive, it's not, Got it. um, they're all deals. You're going to thank me later. Um, so definitely, um, definitely buy more real estate and, um, believe in yourself more like, uh, you know, the dreams that you have, the ideas that you have, um, they'll happen, go after them. Right. And you're, and you're with Keller Williams right yes. now, correct? Mm -hmm. And so, and how long have you been with them? Uh, seven years. I was with Royal Page before Remax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was kind of just like a good fit for you, the way it worked out. Values. Yeah. Are in alignment with what I believe. Excellent. And, you know, in this, in the new brokerage that you have, um, you're obviously happy with it. You've been there for seven years. What stands out with this particular brokerage or with the team that, you know, you can say, this is why this is the place to be? Growth. Um, Gary Keller always talks about his job is to know what's going to happen in the future of real estate. I mean, that guy could sell the company and retire and, you know, go sit on a beach somewhere and do whatever he wants to do. Um, but he is such an advocate for real estate and always watching what's coming up, what's changing. And, you know, it gives you that opportunity to just be present with your clients and the day to day, because he's teaching you what you need to know for what's coming up. Right. Okay. Excellent. Um, and we would carry that forth on the team, right? Like I'm always looking for what's going to happen because of the experience and being around for so many years with all the peaks and valleys of the market that I can see what's happening. And I'm like, okay, we did this last time. Let's add this to it. And it's just, that's one thing that real estate is really great at is we're leaders in, a, in adapting. Like right. you have to. Right. So Joe, how do you comment to that? You have somebody that a uh, real estate agent that they're saying, and not everybody can, but it's obviously successful real estate agents adapt. How does, how does the lawyer adapt to that changing, uh, you know, dynamic? Closing lawyer's job is, is quite a bit different than the real estate agent's job. The value of the property, what's actually happening in the market isn't as important to us. Right. You know, for, for, for us, we're closing the deal, whether people are losing money on the, on the sale or they're making money. Um, so I, I always thought the peaks and valleys are less of an issue in our industry. Um, and we don't really have to adjust 
that much that. I mean, there's definitely modernization and, and definitely, you know, the way real estate is done, you know, virtual since COVID has, has, uh, blown up and, and definitely, um, you know, servicing people, uh, in a more fluid way, uh, has, has definitely been a, a big change in our industry. You know, if, if somebody can email me at night, uh, and I can give them a quick answer, um, that's worlds different from when I started even, you know, 10 years ago. And, and, uh, there were, you know, it was nine to five. I wasn't checking my email unless I was on my work computer. Cause you know, you kind of couldn't, I didn't have a smartphone. Right. So, uh, so, um, yeah, that, I think that's how it's a bit different with real estate, uh, agents and, and lawyers. Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. So Lorraine, you've gone through both, right? You've gone in a period of no cell phone to limited cell phone to smartphone. How has it changed your career? Career or dealing with lawyers? Uh, no, your career. <laughs> My career. Dealing with lawyers has always been the same. They're a pain in the ass. Trust me. I deal with them all the time. We hate them, but like. Except, yeah. except Diamond and Diamond. <laughs> except Diamond and Diamond. But, but, and before you, you answer that, it's funny because I think Joe and I have actually still deal with some older lawyers that after three o'clock, oh, you cannot I get in touch do. with them. There you go. So, you know, to, to us, that is the most infuriating thing. But as, as a real estate agent, again, you know, the market is on hot markets and non-hot markets. You're dealing with various forms of communication. So tell us how it kind of worked before cell phone. And then as, as time went on. So um, I laugh because people never believe this, but we have a lot of cottages in our area. So we would, if you had an offer on someone else's property, often you would drive together to the city to present the offer. And I mean, you, you wanted to make sure you had a good offer because you're riding home with them <laughs> right. after, right? And they wouldn't know the offer until you open it in front of the client. And we would present the offer and we would go back and forth. Like it was physically, like I look at DocuSign or any kind of those signing programs that are like people can sit at their desk and sell real estate. Right. We had to drive hours. And I mean, it was nothing like the whole irrevocable to 1159 PM was because we were out till 11 59 right. p.m going back and forth from <laughs> home sometimes half an hour apart to get you know the sign back i remember when the market first started to change and agents were saying like can you can you sign back an offer and i'm thinking oh my goodness we used to have different colored inks and stamps and like it would go back right. 10 15 times sometimes yeah and it was like a hockey thing with you know the not shaving the beard or whatever we you know you wouldn't change the offer nobody could hardly read it anymore but if you change the <laughs> offer it was bad luck that's hilarious and yeah. that's funny because you're you're with your client and they're actually watching you negotiate right there and then like i think you know there's something to be said about you know kind of performance right as opposed to now where you're right you're behind a desk and you go back and a million dollars and you don't like it and your client says we'll change it to 1.1 or whatever it is so you go and you change it you send it back and you wait for a response but i guess you know back then you're literally sitting in front of that the other party with their real estate agent looking eye to eye. And now it's like, it's a full out negotiation, like a, like almost like a war. I wouldn't use war. Um, cause Sorry, I, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, I like to say war. that's the difference. <laughs> it's an adversarial system here in Ontario. As you can see, but, kill, kill them all. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but for us, it was, it's like, how do you make this a win? Right? Like, you know, if you're sitting across from the seller and they're trying to sell us, it's understanding what their goals are and what your buyer's goals are and how to bring that together. Right. I actually, it's funny. I, you know, I, I am joking around about the war. I, you know, I've, I've done lots of seminars with, real estate agents about the art of negotiation. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the starriest eyes that I always see is what, when I explain, when you're sitting across a the table, these are the body language things you want to look for. <laughs> and they're like, 
when am I ever going to be sitting across the table? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And they're like, no, no, no. You know what I said? And I think that's more of the younger generation. I think that's kind of what they got used to people that have been in the industry for only five years. Right. But there is something to be said. And I, and you know, I want you to comment about it is, do you still do face-to-face uh, negotiation when, when you can, and do you find it effective or not as effective uh, as opposed oh, it's to a game changer? If you can get face-to-face. Uh-huh. It's a game changer. I mean, it's real. Like you said, there's body language. You know, when they see the price, are they leaning forward or did they just yeah. go back? Or, you know, what's wrong with the offer? I mean, it's no different than when you take somebody to see a house. When you first walk in that door, you know, it, unless there's something like horrible, like you get down the basement and you're, you know, in six inches of water or something. When they walk in that door, you know they're buying it or not. Right. It, it's instant. The reaction, the, the, everything. Um, it's the same thing when they see the offer. Is it the closing date? Like, I remember, I mean, I don't know how many times we've had it where, you know, the seller just would sign back and say the appliances aren't included. Well, then you find out that they receive the washer and dryer as a wedding gift. Well, they're first time home buyers. They need, they don't have the extra money to go out and buy appliances. Right. It needs to be in the offer. Well, keep the ones that you got from family and just go buy this set of four you know, washer, dryer, fridge and stove and you staple it to the offer and you go, this is the set that we want included in. Yeah. It solves everybody's problem. They get to keep the ones that they had as a gift. They get to buy it. The buyer gets to buy it. Like it's just that it's creativity. Win, yeah. 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 And sometimes you don't see that, I guess, when you're when you're behind a computer screen, right? That well, I, I feel that um, I feel that people hide behind it. Yeah. Right. They text. They don't call. They don't. So it's just here's the offer. Yeah. Like I'll get agents that'll send me an offer on a property that's, you know, it could be anything. It could be 700,000. It could be $2 million. And I've never talked to them before. Right. They have no idea what the motivation is. They have no idea. Like, wait a minute, you know, and, and you call them and they text you back or, you know, I'll tell new agents, like if you're dealing with a busy agent, um, for me, it's like, text me and let's set up a time. Don't call and, and then get frustrated because you call me twice in a row and I didn't pick up. If I'm with somebody or I'm doing something like this, obviously I'm not going to pick up the phone. Right. But set up a time. Yeah. No big deal. And then let's get on the phone and let's talk about the situation and figure it out. Right. Can you tell the audience what a fax is? so for those of you out there joking but uh, we're going back to it i mean you used to have to fax offers oh yeah and remember the ink would like disappear and And it's it's not like you had to go back to an office that was open to fax it to another office that would hopefully be open too it's not oh i mean it was the greatest things when some of the variety stores started adding them because you you were always trying to find and i think that made a difference with offices like if you know being part of a larger brand is you needed offices in different locations so that you could fax down an offer and the client could go and sign it this isn't so long ago like seven years ago even yeah yeah Yeah. i get it like you know, and again, before DocuSign, right? Yeah, yeah. And email email offers weren't accepted. I remember getting in offers from real estate agents into my office on fax and like I couldn't read them. And, you know, that we'd have to ask them for a better copy or they'd come in person and drop off an actual physical copy. Right. <laughs> like that's how it was. Different story. Oh, we signed like, yeah, five copies. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Everybody needed an original. Well, because you can read it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it went back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Lorraine, tell, tell us about your books. We, we talked about you're an author. Um, why or what happened? What gave you the, the what was the impetus to, to, to kind of start that, that journey? I mean, it's not, not that easy to wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to write a book. 
Um, I have a great friend by the name of Donna Beach. She's a realtor in Burlington. Uh, she took some time off to be with her mom when her mom wasn't well. And then she kind of got back and she's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, you have so much wisdom. Like you need to. I said, what do you want to do? And she goes, well, I've always thought about writing a book. I said, then you're going to write a book. So we decided to write one together. And um, it was kind of interesting how it happened because we started just before COVID. And then we would do one day a week where we would go on Zoom and um, write together. And it was everything we wanted. If we started over in real estate today, uh, it was everything we would want someone to share with us. Interesting. So yeah, that goes back to kind of like the, that wisdom to your 18-year-old Lorraine. Yeah. Right? And and so um, is it, and this is truly winning in real estate. Truly winning in real estate is for real estate agents. So okay. I think it's, I, I believe it's very valuable. It's everything that I try to teach my agents right. um, and anyone who wants to learn. Like if you had to do it over again, what would I do? It's like I'd budget, I'd do this, I'd hold, you know, put money aside in the separate accounts. Like all of that stuff right. is in there. And so you you have a team of, of agents that mm -hmm. work for you? Correct. And or with. With you, sure. And how many, how, how big is your team? We have 12 agents and probably about six or seven um, support. That's, that's great. And I assume that every one of these agents must read your book. Well, they all have it. I hope they all read it. <laughs> there's a test, actually. There's, yeah. There's, yeah. An entrance exam. Right. Sometimes I see things and I'm like, oh, you need to go back. Chapter six, yeah. <laughs> Chapter six. It's right there. Um, so, yeah, I wrote that and had some fun with it. And um, while we were doing that, I just really found my voice. Um, I love investing. I, I you know, wish I would have done more, like I said. So I started writing a book on investing in real estate. Wow. And is that, that is that separate from, yeah. from the original? And that one... And that, that's that one the is, freedom to live your best life. Right. And that's more about investing into that's real estate. That's everybody. And I think a lot of people, it, it's there's a lot of investing books out there, like hundreds of them, or probably thousands, um, just Canadian even. Right. Um, what I find is people get caught up in, you know, the models, burr, you got to buy, renovate. Re and it's like, wait a minute, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Right. I mean, you're a real estate investor if you're renting out a bedroom in your house. Right. Right. Like using that asset to make an income and holding it accountable to what it's what's what it's possible with it and what it's capable of. So um, what did you you know, and you, did you the tools or the things that you wrote, I assume that you, you know, use in everyday life in your life in terms of uh, investing. And, you know, we go back and you talk about, um, you know, giving advice to your 18 year old uh, Lorraine. And this is part of your investing book, I'm sure as well, um, which you guys can all get very easy to find. Do you have an They're audio? on Amazon. Uh, oh, it's on Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what if, if you're talking to somebody who's just starting out, what is, what do you think is, you know, the best form of real estate? You have limited capital, you know, you need to get into the market. What would you do? And well, I get excited about the first time home buyer. Like right. if I had to do it all over again, um, and it's what I teach is I would get out there and right now, like there is no better time. Yeah. Interest rates are high, but you can get duplexes right now or triplexes at a really reduced rate. Like some of these in our area, Midland Penitent, they were 700, 750,000 and you can buy a duplex for $500,000 right now. Wow. And then the rent has gone up. Like that basement apartment used to be $800 a month and it's $1,800 a month now. So that's good cash flow even, even with the interest rates now. Right. Um, so if you move into that and then you, you know, you live in one, you fix it up. Because I find that with interest rates as low as they were, people were buying really nice homes. They wanted everything done. And 
it's not the same pride as going in and I don't know, there's something about fixing something yourself. Right. And actually making it as a business. As yeah. A, or as repair, a, yeah. just like even improving. So, you know, buying something like that, fixing it up, you know, renting it out, move into the next one, do the same thing. And if you did that three times, you would now have the cash flow to go buy the dream home. Right. And the funny thing is once you've done that, you've gone, oh, well, I don't mind living with people now. And one of these tenants is my favorite. So I'm going to move them into a rental on my property. Oh. And, you know, I don't know, even even at $500,000 duplexes, that's going to be a $5 million portfolio. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's not crazy big. It's not crazy risky. Like it's it's solid. Right. And it's passive income at the yeah. end of the day. Right. So, you know, it, it obviously do you find it hard to manage those properties that you own? No, I, I joke. I have a property that I bought um, in. Oh, I got after getting separated. So 2011, I bought it on my own. So it was the first one that I just went out and bought. So you talk about like women. Right. Yeah. So single mom went out and bought this house um, and I hired someone to fix it. I wasn't painting at two o'clock in the morning like stuff I had done before. It was like, yeah. I'm going to run this like a business. Um, I have never driven past the house since I've owned it. <laughs> I have property management. They give me a report twice a year. Um, the same tenants are in there. I mean, the house is almost well. I mean, I paid 195 for it in Barry, and at one point it was probably worth 750. Wow, that's amazing! And right. so, you know, like that—that that is really important. And you know, we talk about you being a single mom, and 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 I'm assuming whether you're a single mom or single dad, you know, you get—it's scary, right? And you're now single income. I mean, obviously, you're on your own. You you have different priorities and different stuff, and you went on and took that risk, right? Um, and so, is is there like? Was there like a switch that said, I need to do this? Or was it a want? What was it that got you to to kind of invest after that um, that moment when you became a single mom? I think just understanding, um, you know, I think there's things that you kind of go, oh, I can't do this on my own. It's like, wait a minute. Of course I can. I just need to do it different. Or there were ways that I wanted to do it before that maybe I was held back from someone else's opinion. Right. Right. So yeah. it's like, wait a minute. I, I don't have to, instead of going, um, I don't have anyone to ask you know, or to bounce this off of, it's more like, I don't have to get someone else's approval anymore. Yeah. So I know what I need to do. I mean, I'm in real estate and I think, you know, I'm very, um, I'm very upfront that I've made so many mistakes growing a team, um, and investing that I'm, I'm always happy to share. Like the book is filled with all these different scenarios and stories. Like they're super relatable. Um, you know, everything from, you know, two people buying their first house together and how that, you know, that's, that's a big commitment and right. commitments, that big word, but what if you made it like a contract and an agreement and, you know, you're going to put the money in, you're going to do the work and how that can come together. And it's just, again, and with you guys, right. It's a contract. It's, it's making it make sense. 100%. Um, and spelling it out. Like if something does go wrong, how can we make sure that, um, we have an agreement that way. Say people often forget to actually iron out the details and they just wing it. That's, that's where we see all the the issues when it comes time to close and nobody's sure how much their equity is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say. Or family. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen horrible situations where, you know, um, I, I remember one where the kids moved in with the mom and they were, he was a builder. So they bought the mom's place and they tore it down and built a new home with a, you know, accessory dwelling for her. And, she hated living with them because it was attached and it, it didn't work. Um, but she couldn't get her money back out because they had ruined the asset by tearing it down. Right. 
Like they would have been better off renting it out, building on another lot. You know what I mean? And having the income, there's a whole other way they could have done that. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think the real value is, is sitting down and, and writing it out. You know, it's not, not for when things go wrong. It's just to set up expectations. Um, yeah. It's perspective, right? Everybody comes into a different situation with different perspectives. And I think, you know, you come in and you're saying, this is what I envision. And then you say it to somebody and they listen to you, but in their head, it means something else. Well, I think later on, it's the emotions too, right? Whenever, like if you can write it down in the beginning when everybody's got a positive outlook and then there's a plan and everyone knows why they're making this real estate investment and this purchase, you know, you can, you can spell it all out. Yeah. Um, whereas later on, whenever something's, you know, there's a breakdown in the relationship, then the emotions get involved and it, you, you guys know that it just doesn't work out the same. Yeah. Keep so. it by dog back. No joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to just, I want to lighten it up a little bit. I'm going to do some quick fire questions to both of you, uh, Joe, Lorraine. Okay. You're at Starbucks. What's your order? Uh, I don't, I'm, I would be in an herbal tea or something where they don't let me drink caffeine at the office. There you go. <laughs> Joe. Medium pie place, black. Okay. Very good. Very good. I was, I was hoping someone would come in with like some extra weird, odd, like <laughs> OT chai double from the bit now. No. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no. Absolutely. Sure. For sure. I feel like I'm the only one on earth that hates pineapple <laughs> on pizza. That seems to be the trend on this podcast. Um, if you could have one thing on an Island to keep you comfortable and not a cell phone, what, what are you bringing with you? Um, a loved one. Okay. Oh, I, I was going to give the same answer. Now I have to change it. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. I'm bringing a basketball and a pump. <laughs> I'm just thinking helicopter, <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah. figured that might get ruled out. Sure. There you go. Uh, not only for comfort, right? It's not, uh, it's yeah, not yeah, just something it, that you need. Ooh, uh, I'm going to stick with a, with a company. Some, somebody to keep me company. I want to keep you company. Yeah. I don't right. want to talk to the basketball. Like <laughs> Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> Um, basketball or hockey? Hockey. Basketball. Summer or winter? Summer. Ooh. Uh, okay. Summer. Yeah. Okay. You had to think about that for a second. Winter's pretty nice. You know, there's the snow, there's, uh, lots of fun outdoor activities, but, uh, but summer wins because you can go swimming. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Georgian Bay is gorgeous. Yeah. W one food you can live off for the rest of your life. Mm, pasta. Um, salad. Salad? Yeah. Really, Joe? Off of it. I think it's the last time I bring you on this podcast. Salad? <laughs> salad is not going to get scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That is one of my worries. <laughs> one of my wife. If it's I, all I don't want to go to that restaurant. I might get sick with scurvy. <laughs> you, you said the rest of your life that so you're going to live off of. I, I, I think. Uh, Pretty healthy. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you're driving in your car on a trip. What genre of music are you listening to? Ah, uh, it's a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Very seldom. If it's, if it's music, then it would be like a Tony Robbins playlist from like UPW or date with destiny or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Uh, country. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've n I, I totally didn't peg you for a guy. Or, or, or death metal. You know, one of those two. <laughs> what? hundred <laughs> percent. I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Uh, can someone do a background check on uh, Joe, please? <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a question when we joined. Um, okay. If you could have one vacation left in the world, it's your last vacation. Where are you going? 
10 days. 10 days. So that's a good one. Hmm. So many places. Um, I, 10 days would be, it's a long, let's see, I, I, you're going to go to Joe with this one first. Right, I got to think about that one. I mean, for me, it's Israel. You know, I, I definitely spend 10 days in Israel. Fair enough. Fair enough. Family. If, homeland. If, if not there, then the country. The country. <laughs> with your country music or death metal. 100%. <laughs> the cottage. I'd probably do Europe. Um, Anywhere in particular? No, I think just touring around. I just did Paris and Switzerland and different places um, this past year. Maybe even, I don't know. I, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to say Fiji. Fiji. Yeah, nice. I did Fiji back in March and yeah. the people and the food and yeah, everything. About That's it. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. Back to, back to, back to real estate. Um, so you, you wrote the two books and you, you obviously helps your team and, and so on. Do you reference your own books? Do you feel like sometimes you have to go back and say, let me, let me read again so I can just, you know, reconnect myself. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm writing a third now cause oh, you kind of get into that routine and it's, um, it's client facing for real estate now. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you're going through, if you're downsizing, if you're buying the first house, if it's an estate sale, you, I think realizing, um, you know, when you do over 10,000 transactions, you have a lot of different stories and experiences and, um, scenarios that you can share and can benefit others. Tell us without naming names or the address, tell us one of those crazy stories. <laughs> you want the a one, crazy story? Yeah. The, the one that you remember the most. Oh, the one I remember the most was quite an interesting story. So um, I had a, a client that was separating. They were buying a property and um, they, they were going to put their business and live upstairs scenario. And um, we went through a few days before closing, did a final walkthrough and the tenant hadn't packed anything. Um, the tenant, you know, the kids were in diapers. The place was a mess. You still are pajamas. It's in the afternoon. And I'm thinking, oh. Right. And then I see the landlord tenant back printouts on the counter and I'm like, this lady's not moving. So uh, we got outside. I said to my client, like, she doesn't look like she's moving on time. And she said, well, that's okay. Cause I still have, you know, a bit of time, you know, on um, where my, her business was. And I called the agent. I said like, this is what's happening. And he's like, Oh, well, it's in the lawyer's hands. And I'm like, great. I said, have you <laughs> talked to him at all? And he's like, well, you know, not much I can do. So, um, the next day I got a phone call from my buyer and she was like hysterical and she was crying and she's a strong businesswoman. And she's like, I just got served. My husband's going for custody of the kids. Cause I don't have anywhere to live. Wow. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. Um, you know, and she was just beside herself. So I thought, well, you know, find out the cost to solve the problem. So I went over and knocked on the door and I had a checkbook in my hand. And I said, you know, she came to the door, kids are still in diapers. And I said, what's, what's the deal? Like, um, you know, you're supposed to be moving out. Our deal's closing. And she looked at me and she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, my client bought the house. She needs you to move out or else she's going to lose custody of her kids. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. I couldn't imagine, you know, and she's sitting there with her kids on the stairs. And I said, and like, the, and the notices that you sent her four times. like, she Well, not me, the other yeah, agent. Like, right. Sure. Yeah. So um, I said, look, what's it going to take? Like, I found an apartment around the corner. It's actually bigger than this one. It's cheaper than what you're paying. Like, this makes sense for you. And she looked at me with this really strange look and she said, do you, do you have any idea what's happening right now? 
And I said, what do you mean? Like, she goes, do you know what's happening in my world? Like, do you know why you've never been able to see the main bedroom? And I said, no. She goes, my husband's dying. Oh, God. She goes, like, the priest was here last night. And in that moment, I wanted to, like, do physical damage to the agent. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, my God, here I am with a checkbook to write you a check to get you. To, and I had no idea what was happening. Right. And then the other agent told you nothing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know um, what he knew, but. Anyway, um, I I was like, wow, right? And, and and I just left going, like, I don't even know what to do. I went out, brought, got some food, dropped it off to her and said, like, if you need anything, here's my card. Right. Um, and then the next morning she called me at like 6.30 in the morning and said, do you still have that apartment? And do you still have those people that can help me move? And I said, um, yeah. And she said he passed away during the night. And I can't imagine being that woman that's going to lose your kids. And I'm thinking, holy cow, she's going through that. And she's thinking about this other lady. Wow. So we got everyone together. We moved her into the other place. The deal closed. And uh, I ran into her a couple months later at a grocery store. And I mean, I barely recognized her. She looked fantastic. And she came up to me and she gave me a big hug. And she said, like, that apartment was so great. Like, we needed that right, break. Right. And she and I'm like, I thank you. Like, it was a game changer for the buyer. Some hope for humanity. Yeah. That's nice. I thought it was going to end up with like oh, horror. No. But that's that's a nice story. That's yeah, a really nice story. Again, I think the moral is not to go to the lawyer and get a position, uh, you know? Oh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, like you will be sued. And, you know, me and Joe would love to sell our, uh, to tell our crazy stories, but we get in a lot of trouble. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're just going to know that we, we do get them for there, sure. Yeah. There's a lot more gray than the actual facts in the situation. You know, that, that there's, there's people involved in a transaction. And, and, and I think that, that, is the biggest problem um, in, in a closing situation that's adversarial um, because there's somebody who is about to move in, you know, and mm -hmm. or somebody's how, like, uh, you know, uh, we were just talking, I just did a presentation on, you know, common closing issues. And unfortunately, major issues, the only remedy is, is to kill the deal. Like it, it in a lot, of, and that's very dissatisfying because then, then what, where are you moving? You know, and what about the person who is counting on that money to go buy their house, you know, and, and the all time and the effort and, and everything that's involved in the, transaction. the real human cost. Yeah, I think the most important thing um, when working with lawyers on the deals is to get the black and white answer to kind of give everyone a little bit of a reality check. Yeah, and right. Diamond and diamond. But that's my plug. <laughs> Sorry. So it's like, here's the here's here's where this would go. But it's going to cost you money to get there and it's going to take you time and it's not, you know, overnight. Um, so where are we going to go from here? Amazing. Lorraine, Joe, thank you so much for joining me on this uh, podcast. If any of you need to get in touch with Lorraine Jordan, you can reach her directly through internet. You can buy her books on Amazon. She also works with Keller Williams. You can also email me at Isaac at diamondlaw.ca. Uh, I can get you her information. She's a great agent. She knows what she's doing. She has the experience. You obviously have heard her, her speak and, you know, we'll get you what you need and, and, and maybe tell you some more interesting stories along, uh, her, her career. Thanks again. Again, Lorraine, for coming. My pleasure.